Support for WIPR's podcasts comes from Brightview Senior Living. Since 1999, Brightview has proudly served Greater Baltimore with vibrant, independent living, assisted living, memory care, and enhanced care. Find a community near you at brightviewseniorliving.com. No one was saying anything. They were just staring at me and my friend Kate. And finally, this older man who had his back to us slowly turns around, looks at me, and says, you're next. The reason they're a ghost expert is because in the 70s, they moved into a profoundly haunted house. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Stoop Storytelling Series podcast. I'm Laura Wexler. And I'm Jessica Hinkin. And this week on the podcast, two spooky stories for your Halloween listening pleasure. You know what? You sound like a vampire I know. Um, from What We Do in the Shadows. Oh, that's such a compliment. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, do you know what my family calls me? What? They call me Guillermo. Oh, that's <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> because I am. If you don't watch the show, it's called What We Do in the Shadows. An amazing show. And there's a character in it who is the familiar of the vampires, and all he does is clean up after them. That's right. And that's what my family calls me. I'm going to start calling you that, too. <laughs> but anyway, happy Halloween, y'all. This week, we have two ghost stories for your spooky, spooky pleasure. Um, so this first storyteller, Ryan Shields, is a terrific storyteller. And actually, we miss him because he was such a great fixture at Stoop shows. He came, would come up to do audience stories and all that jazz. But um, this story he shared a bunch of years ago. Mm-hmm. And it's a good one. So take a listen. So I wanted to tell a ghost story, a series of ghost stories, actually. Um Throughout my life, I've had lots of weird things happen to me, but because they always happen when I'm by myself, no one would ever believe me, <laughs> right? So when I was a, uh, in high school, I worked at a retirement community, and I was folding tablecloths, and I saw out of the corner of my eye an old woman in, like, old-timey dress with, like, a candle just watching me. And so when I told someone that, they were like, ah, you were tired. I was like, so I normally don't hallucinate when I'm tired, but fine, whatever. Then one night, I'm in my bed, sleeping, and I wake up, and I'm covered in chains, in change, coins, just <laughs> covered. And so I told my parents, I sleep with my door locked, but I told my parents at the time, I was like, hey, I'm covered in money. Uh, and they were like, oh, well, you sleepwalk. And I was like, that's a weird thing to do, even with sleepwalking. And then one night, I'm sleeping, and I wake up to my bed shaking. Now, not like the exorcist thrashing about, just like a little, little rumble. So I'm like, this is, this is strange, this is weird. It goes on for a few minutes, tell my parents, and they were like, yeah, we don't know. I was like, so you're not concerned that the bed was shaking? No, that's, we're just going to go with that. Okay. So I'm always having these things happen, and no one ever witnesses it until I have a witness. So... In college, I worked at a a doctor's office, and they had so many patients that they had to keep their old records, like, in a storage facility, like an easy storage. I don't know that that's, like, HIPAA compliant at all, but that's what we did. So if a patient hadn't been there for a while uh, and they had an appointment coming up, I would have to go and grab, like, the old records. So I went to the easy storage place with my friend Kate, my witness, and we're in the, the, the bin, and it's dark, and it's hot. It's middle of summer, and we're 
kind of pulling records, and we get everything, and we turn around, and there are six people staring at us. All right. Now, one lady appeared to be the leader. She had a clipboard, but she was dressed, like, from the 80s. She looked like she stepped off of, like, Designing Women or something. (laughs) The dress was just not, didn't match. And everyone else was, had this vacant look on their face. They were going, like, just staring around, not making eye contact, but not recognizing where they were. I'm like, it's a storage facility. What's there to be confused about? And they were pale, and it was just, no one was saying anything. They were just staring at my, me and my friend Kate. And finally, this old, older man who had his back to us slowly turns around, looks at me, and says, you're next. I didn't know what he was referencing. So, and I didn't ask any follow-up questions. I just wanted to... I, I froze. I froze. And Kate froze. And then he turned and walked away. And as a group, without anyone saying anything else, turned the corner. And we looked around. They were gone. Now, you know in these facilities, when you walk down the halls, it's motion sensor, right? And the lights turn on. No lights. No lights. And so I am convinced that when we die, we all go to a storage facility. (laughs) Which is actually pretty upsetting, if you think about it. Like, I'm not looking forward to that. That's not a fun afterlife. Um, And I will say, after I moved out of the house, and I had lots of sisters, and all the rooms would rearrange. Laurie, my youngest sister, went into my old room, and she came down, and she was like, Rye, my bed was shaking. Like that, so something's happening. Thank you. There's a part of me, of course, that's like, it's hard to tell with Ryan, you know, but he absolutely believes that what he's saying is the truth. But it doesn't necessarily, like, you're like, if that happened, I think it would be, you know, it might have made the news kind of thing, you mm-hmm. know? Like, well, that was back in the day. Yeah, I guess it was before, really. Before social, TikTok. Before TikTok. Support for WYPR's podcasts comes from Catholic Charities. Celebrating its centennial in 2023, Catholic Charities is the largest private provider of social services in Maryland. Learn more about this movement to change lives at cc-md.org. All right. This next uh, storyteller has definitely also been on the stoop a number of times. He is a dear friend of mine, maybe the weirdest person I've ever met. Uh, is, is he still believing in Bigfoot? Oh, it's not a... Oh, I mean, Sasquatch. Sasquatch. Sorry. He's a cryptozoologist by nature. Okay. Uh, he's a person who, you know, created a miniature putt-putt course in his backyard. He um, renovates, restores um, pachinko machines. He's got like 60 of them in his basement. Okay. So, um, yeah. Yes. He's just, he's, he's just a really weird... If you need to know any fact, he will know that fact for you. Like, he'll have the answer to anything. He's a walking encyclopedia of weird. And his name is Roy Taft. Right. And this story he shared um, was a show that um, we did in partnership with First Person Arts in Philadelphia in uh, during the pandemic. And so this was actually... Um, all these stories were videotaped and played as a virtual show. And... This was a story from early in Roy's career as 
a cryptozoologist slash no, a ghost, all that ghost hunter. Yes, um, and it's it's just a great story about um, being careful what you wish for because you might get it. In 1986, I didn't believe in ghosts, and then I met Ron and Nancy Stallings, who were ghost experts, and they kind of changed my way of thinking. I was shooting a documentary. And I was introduced to these two people who had experience with ghosts. So I went out to their house and I met them. And the reason they're a ghost expert is because in the 70s, they moved into a profoundly haunted house. Uh, a house that from the moment they walked in, water would turn on and off, power would go on and off, the lights would flicker, things would move in the house. The children were taunted, animals were taunted, they all had nightmares, and they did everything. They brought in electricians and plumbers and structural engineers and priests and scientists. And at the end of the day, they had to move out because it was that bad. And once they moved out, other people came to them and because they knew what they were talking about, asked them for advice. And that's how you become a ghost expert. And when I met them, they were so kind. Uh, I interviewed them uh, with my girlfriend at the time and they talked for two hours. They gave me all sorts of leads on haunted places in Baltimore, which is what I was trying to videotape. Uh, they gave me directions as far as what to do when I entered the space to be, not to be fearful, to, be, uh, to ask questions of the ghosts, to try and be alone. Uh, and they gave me all these tips and tricks, and also to make sure you had extra batteries, because when you're in a place where ghosts supposedly are, they suck the energy out of your, your electrical equipment. And as I was about to leave, uh, my girlfriend and I were about to leave, uh, Nancy Stallings uh, gave us a little aside. She said, be careful that nothing follows you home. And I said, ghosts follow you home? And she said, no. And then Ron said, we call them shadow people. And I was like, what's a shadow person? It's kind of a malevolent being that feeds on fear and it has been known to follow people around, and they had dealt with it a few times. And that freaked my girlfriend out. So when we got back to the dorms and everything, she made me a little packet, really a box, that had things like crystals and a crucifix and a, uh, a blue jay feather and an emptied egg that had uh, uh, Bible passages and, and positive affirmations in it to, for me to take when I went from place to place. And I went to a bunch of places that the Stallings recommended. And I did everything they told me to do. I interviewed people. I walked around the places. I asked questions of the ghosts. And nothing happened. I went to graveyards. I went to haunted houses. I went to forts. I went to restaurants. I went to hotels. Nothing happened. Until I went to a ship. Uh, the USS Constellation. Which is an old ship that's in the inner harbor in Baltimore. Uh, it was, it's been used since the Civil War. And when I talked to the people on board, they told me, they said, yeah, there's been some incidences, uh, mostly in the infirmary, which made sense. People died in the infirmary. Uh, sometimes people had been pushed or touched. Uh, a little girl had had her hair pulled. Uh, people had seen faces in the portholes of the ship. And I was interested. So once the interview was done, uh, I started to walk through the ship. And I went to the infirmary, saw nothing, nothing you know, happened at all went to the upper decks, went to the cabins, and then I went below deck. And it was a rainy, cold Monday in October. And 
on the deck where I was were all the cannons. They were all lined up on the left-hand side. And the gun ports were open, but it was still really dark. And I had with me, along with my camcorder, I had a big battery-powered light that I stuck on the camcorder, and it could light up a space. But it was a harsh light, and it set really harsh shadows. So I decided I was going to take a shot from left to right, showing the cannons. And I put the light on, and I put the camcorder on, and all these shadows were happening. And then I went to my right. And I had my right eye to my viewfinder, but my left eye is always open because I don't want to bump into things. And I saw, once I panned, a shadow behind a cannon. All the other shadows had disappeared once I had panned because the light was over here. But that shadow stayed. And I thought that was weird. So I turned back, and the shadow was there, and a bunch of other shadows were there because the light was now pointed there. But it was a little different. It was a dark shadow. There didn't seem to be light getting past it at all. So I panned back, and now I had my left eye watching what was happening over there. And that shadow, which seemed to be in the shape of a, of a head and a torso of someone, slowly dipped down. It took about five seconds, and it dipped down. Now, if I was a good videographer, I would have turned immediately and shot to show the difference, but I wasn't. I went stone cold. I froze up. I started to breathe rapidly. I shut off the camera. I backed up, and I got the heck off the boat. I didn't say goodbye to any of the people on the ship. I, didn't, I went directly to my car, and I sat in my car, and I was freaked out. I was hyperventilating, and I looked at my camera, and the battery was low, which made sense because I'd been shooting all day. But the, the lamp, which was powered off separate batteries, wouldn't even turn back on again. It was completely drained. So I went back to my dorm. I had a single because I was a senior in college, so I didn't have a roommate to tell anything to. I didn't say anything to my girlfriend because that would have freaked her out even more. And I started to have nightmares. And that lasted for about three or four days. I showed the tape to my editor. I didn't tell him what I thought I saw. But because the quality was so bad, he couldn't see anything either. So after about four or five days, I called Nancy Stallings. And I, I explained to her what happened. And she walked me through a few things. She asked if I'd heard anything or if anything had happened in the dorms or things like that. And I said, no. And she said, oh, I, th I think you'll be fine. And I was. I was completely fine. And I turned in my documentary. I got a B on it. Um, I usually got straight A's. And I remember the professor said in the notes that he gave me a B because he felt I wasn't emotionally involved. And I can't disagree more. It was the most emotionally involved I've ever been in anything I've ever videotaped before or since. So he was the first person, Roy, that I had ever heard about Ed and Lorraine Warren from before the movies came out. What so, movies? Um, the Conjuring. That uh, was all based on their stories? Yeah. yeah Here in Maryland? So yeah, they were a, a husband and wife who had an experience and then decided that they understood how to help people through their own hauntings. And okay. so there's certainly like skeptics who feel like they just were opportunistic. Yeah. But I don't know. There's a lot of creepy stories around them. But anyway, Roy was, he's a resident 
Maryland expert on them if you want to know anything. Okay, so yeah, Google Roy Taff if you need to get in touch with him with your ghost hunting or Sasquatch Actually, I don't think you can because he works for the government. Oh, okay. Well, just then Google Jessica. She'll connect you. Yeah, I'll connect you. Okay. (laughs) So we have a bunch of live shows coming up that we would love to see you all at. You can find information at stoopstorytelling.com. Otherwise, we will be back here soon with more stories from the stoop. Happy Halloween. (laughs) 